Welcome to the My Intimacy Therapist podcast. I'm therapist and coach, Shade Giovanni. If you want to feel less anxiety in your relationships and enjoy a confident and spiritual intimate life, you're in the right place. So grab a cup of tea and a warm blanket and let's talk intimacy. Yay, we're starting. Hey. <laughs> Here with Sean Galanas, I I kind of tell all my guests, I would love for you to lay the red carpet for yourself, how you'd like the world to know you. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, my name is Sean Galanas. I'm a love coach, uh, speaker, and I teach courses on communication and intimacy to help people have better and more loving relationships. That's the That's the short one. Yeah. I think, and just haven't seen your content, all of your stuff is very relatable just because of how you are as a person. I think you embody what you teach very well. I mean, I am creating the content that I wish I had and also mm. the content that I currently need. Yes. Doesn't that happen so often? Sometimes I'll be in a session and like <laughs> say something to a client like, huh, well, that applies to my life as well. I mean, that's the beautiful part of doing this kind of work, right? Is being able to sort of draw from experience and, um, and then make connections to what's currently going on or what has, has gone on. So that's mm -hmm. where I, yeah, I create from that space. Yeah. My favorite thing that you do is um, letting people know that you don't know the answer based on someone else's. Sometimes people will ask you a question. What does my partner mean about this? All the time. <laughs> not sometimes all the time yeah that's the difference between other types of dating coaching and this model i think is a very embodied model an intimate model that's me yeah. putting words on your experience yeah though. no thank you please i don't have the the psychological or thera therapeutic you know formal therapeutic training so it's nice to be able to get some of those concepts applied um yeah, it's wild to me. I get it. I understand why people come to me rather than go to the source. Mm -hmm. Because uh, if you go to the source, you might get an answer that you don't want. Right? Yeah. What does it mean when my partner is pulling away? Well, I don't know. It could mean that they're no longer interested or they're losing steam or they, you know, are trying to figure out a way how to exit the relationship. And so why ask them when you could just ask somebody else that can maybe co-sign and say like, oh, maybe they're just having a bad day. The what I have we no want to idea. Hear. Yeah, the <laughs> what, yeah, exactly. I have no idea why he's pulling away. I mean, you could ask him and you'd get the answer right away. But then you'd have to deal with that answer is the problem. Mm, and therein lies a whole bunch, which brought me to the theme for today. Um, which first, let me ask, how long have you been doing this? Uh, I mean, coaching formally last couple years, course creation and like leading courses, uh, a couple years, creating content on love and relationships and sexuality and intimacy about seven or eight years. Yeah. It took so, me a while to figure out what I was actually offering. <laughs> you used to do free love advice. I still do free love advice. I'm, I'm going to do some today. Every Friday, I'll post up a question box on Instagram. But I used to do free love. Like I used to like w travel with a little sign that said free love advice and I would put it down on the sidewalk and I would kind of sit there waiting for people 
to come talk to me. And then eventually I started recording those conversations uh, for my podcast. So yeah, I've been, I've been given some, some love advice for, for a while now. For a hot minute, so to speak. <laughs> so yes, that's why I wanted to do this topic of myths that we hear about dating and about relationships too. I think those count. Um, and so let's just go for it. What's the first one that comes to mind to you? Oh, um, if he wanted to, he would. Ooh. I mean, or if they wanted to, they would. I like the gender neutral way, but it, but it's often if he wanted to, he yeah. would. I hear that one a lot on like TikTok. And so maybe you can help me break this one down because I always kind of thought <clears throat> that this was more applicable. I guess it applies to anything, right? Like if he wanted to take the trash out, he would. Yeah. If he wanted to ask me out, he would. If he wanted to marry me, he would. Right? So it's like kind of a big one. It is. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. At <laughs> all. Yeah. It doesn't allow for a lot of um, nuance or context at all. Yeah. It takes one person and makes them one dimensional. Yeah. I think the heart out of why that one was created was good in the sense that someone got their heart broken by a partner who was um, unmotivated. Ooh, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I feel good. I feel good about yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, a partner who was unmotivated, a partner who kind of gave mixed signals. And so they came up with, because we're humans, we want a formula to keep our well-being going. So if he wanted to put an effort, he would do that. Yeah. Now, I have gotten to see some really cool people who have ADHD, or um, are going through a really rough time in life yep. or are in a depressive episode who surely do want to and can't yep. or can't in the way you want them to. And also, I mean, the, you know, the, the standard counter argument to, to this is how many times have you wanted to, but didn't or couldn't. Yep. And then the counter argument to that is, well, I don't want to be with anybody who wants to and can't. And it's like, okay, cool. But like you said, it doesn't leave a lot of room for the human experience, mm -hmm. for nuance, for ups and downs in somebody's moods and levels of motivation and doesn't take into account everything that we go through on a daily basis that makes it hard to do things even though we want to. Yeah. And then the balance comes with where do the excuses and a pattern come in versus nuance, right? Because yeah. on the other end, you have someone who, if you see over and over and over again, they're, they're um, trying to find ways out of taking responsibility for the relationship, investing in it. <sighs> oh, I'm with, you. I'm with you 100%. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you 100%. Like there's a limit to this. Yeah. Oftentimes, I think if he wanted to, he would is is thrown around early on in some mm. sort of situation where there's conflict or friction or you're not getting what you want. And it's an opportunity for you to disconnect mm. from that relationship or situation without getting curious, without exploring. Is that actually true? Does he not want to? Do they not want to? Does she not want to? Or is this a story that I'm telling myself so that I can disconnect and prevent myself from getting hurt in the future or prevent myself from exploring intimacy with this person? Oof. Yeah. And with that, I think 
this is a theory formulating in my head right now. Push back on it if anything, if you pick up on something. But Oh, I will. <laughs> it puts it in the context of the other person. It makes your life revolve around them um, or the converse, this egocentric thing of like, it should be about me and what I want and when I want it. Or everything I do is waiting for a phone call from them or waiting for them to love me or else I can't enjoy my life. Either way, it's just really icky. It puts you in the passenger seat. Mm. Fix right. it if we're being saucy about it. Yeah, it puts you in the passenger seat or the back seat. I don't know. Uh, it, because you could always just ask if they want to. You could. Right? Like if they wanted to, they would is something that you say when you want something, but you haven't asked for it, mm. right? If you ask your partner to take out the trash and they say no, then you know they don't want to. <laughs> then, then you can actually say, if you wanted to, you would, because I freaking checked and he doesn't, <laughs> right? And then you have a decision to make. How do we yeah. move forward with this new information? Oftentimes, yeah, like I said, it's, it's, we're not asking because we don't, we're not ready for the answer. Mm. There's a level of honesty that comes with being open to answers that we even don't want. And that does start internally. If you're not able to realize, oh, I'm experiencing insomnia and irritability because I'm really unsatisfied at work and I feel a sense of aimlessness in life. Obviously, that was a lot of work that's nice. yeah, <laughs> to that's get good. there. But if you can't do the work to even recognize that kind of train of thought for yourself, you're not going to be able to deal with your uh, your partner's version of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it just requires awareness. Deep and, awareness. Yeah. And self-exploration, curiosity. Um, not, not putting it, putting things in buckets without actually kind of exploring what's going on. Yeah. It's hard. This is hard work. And if your circle of people around you reinforce the stuff, uh, how do I say this? Like attracts like, if you have mm -hmm. friends around you that are going to like help hype up the dysfunctional patterns you have or hype up the, yeah, girl, if he wanted to, he would, he's trash, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you're not going to be able to get very far because that's comfortable, right? Being yeah. affirmed. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your circle of like, yes, people. Mm. I want friends that can like hold me accountable, you know, like I, I do need some validation, but I also need people to be like, yeah, it really sounds like it kind of tell me how it is, you know? I don't have a myth for this, but let's talk about friends. I okay. have really amazing close friends. They've all been in my life couple years, like six or more years. Um, so when I come with something a little bit ridiculous, they'll say, Johnny, stop. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Or you have a point because they know me. There's intimacy there. What are your thoughts about how friends influence us? Wait, hold on. Can we... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you know, there's that there's that one about like you are the average of the five closest people, you know. Mm-hmm. And like I've heard a lot of stuff around like yeah, if your friends, you know, who you hang out with could kind of either up level you or kind of pull you down. And I'm, there's probably some truth to that, right? Mm. Like, but at the same time, like I have friends who are like, you know, super entrepreneurial mm-hmm. and aren't like totally thriving career wise, and that's something that I want. And then I'm so I'm thinking like, oh, maybe I need to like get better friends. <laughs> they could help. But then I'm like, well, I love my friends, and they're super sweet. And just because that's not like a strength in their character or their personality or their person doesn't mean that it, they need to be up leveled, right? There's all these other things that my friends are super great at. Um, so that's kind of one. Uh, one but this really led me to to think about um like can you be friends with your ex oh my goodness right (laughs) the last time we talked i was seeing someone and it was funny because we were talking about kind of the pattern of a little bit of he wanted to, he would. And I was like, oh, yeah, anxious attachment. I'll be fine. Anyway, that person ended. But one of the biggest disagreements I had with that person was this topic, being friends with exes. I think it's uh, people either agree or disagree. It's like a very polarizing thing. And usually based on experience. And usually based on experience. Where do you okay, find so yourself? Oh, yeah. Uh, me, I think you can totally be friends with an ex. I don't think you can do it right after the breakup. I think there needs to be a significant period of no contact if yeah. you can. It's hard if you have kids, but um, if you can, no contact. And then, yes, you can explore friendship if both people are willing to. And if you are truly over them. As in you can be happy seeing or knowing about them dating other people. Absolutely. I think if you can't be okay with that, you can't be happy about them dating other people and you still want to be friends, that is going to be a very, very painful situation. I agree. I, and it also depends on why the relationship ended. Um, because I do think there are some really mutual, beautiful kind of closings of relationships where it's like, we're not really that emotionally invested in each other anymore. I care about you, but I'm not going to, our being friends isn't going to change my future dating prospects or yours. But then there's the, no, we can just be friends. That's all I want. And you're lying to yourself. (laughs) Right. To everyone. If you still want to be with them and you are offering friendship as the next best option because you mm. can't get what you want, you are also putting yourself in a position to be hurt for sure. Repeatedly. So yeah, there, yeah, repeat over and over. There, excuse me, there are times when friendship after a relationship is not possible, especially if like it didn't end well, then of yeah. course, like, why would you want to be friends? Um, so yeah, that's the one that kind of popped up for me. Ooh, adjacent on one. Friendship. Can yes. you be friends with someone that you have interest in that is not interested in you? Oh, can you be friends with someone that you want to date who that doesn't want to date you? Yeah, let's say they've either explicitly said they don't want to date you or they're in one of those ambiguous seasons that we all know so well. Or they're in a relationship. Also that. And you're crushing hard yep. on them. 
Uh, let's see. Has that ever happened to me? Um, that has happened to me. It has? Yeah. Tell me your experience. <laughs> yeah. I, I was also younger, so my, right. my tools were not at all in the kit, so to speak. Yeah. But for me, it was, I, I, oof. I want to call it manipulation, not in a malicious or intentional way, but just this, oh, if I just stay right here, they're going to notice how amazing I am. And then this will become something more. So it was me just kind of writing out a storyline for the both of us without their consent. Mm. I mean, that's a very common scenario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you're writing the whole thing out and they're just like totally oblivious. Got my own feelings hurt. So that was my story. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, it was like uh, unintentionally manipulative. Yeah. Hopeful even. Hopeful manipulation. Can we, can hopeful, we call it? <laughs> hopeful, gentle, naive manipulation, right? Because you, yeah. you didn't know better. You were young. Um, I think it's really hard to be friends with someone if you want more. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, okay, so I have a friend, Zoe, who I met at a party on Halloween some 10 years ago, and uh, there was like a, some flirting going on at the very beginning, mm. and then uh, for me, it kind of shifted into, this is just a really amazing person that I want as a friend, Yeah. but for her, she oh. really wanted to date me. And we had several conversations about the fact that I was not available to date her. I was not interested in dating her, but that I was really, really interested in having her as a friend and as a dance partner. We would like go to like undergrounds and dance and dance clubs and stuff. And she was, we were both really honest about our feelings about where we were. And she would say things like, this is really hard for me because I really want to date you. Mm -hmm. I also respect the fact that you're not interested in me in that, in, like that. So like, let's continue to spend time together and I will just like continue to check in around if I'm able to be your friend. Mm -hmm. And we had a few more conversations where she was still struggling and she was like, it's really hard for me to hear you date other people. And I think I was also dating one of her friends uh... um, because I want to date you, but I also recognize that that's not available yeah and then eventually it shifted her feelings towards me shifted hmm. yeah in, a, and we, in the same direction yours did yeah totally she was nice. like cool i like fully accept that you're you know like i know you more as a person maybe I, because i know you more i don't want to date you anymore but, uh, <laughs> but i love having you as a friend <laughs> and uh and so then we developed like a really strong friendship and so we're still friends to this day um so I think it is possible, but I think it takes a lot of maturity. And respect. A respect. Respect to the boundaries. And also, yeah. you know, spending time with self to figure out, is this something that I'm actually able to do? I think this isn't for everybody. This is like advanced moves, but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Why am I picturing a chess board? Like, yeah. <laughs> advanced. This is, not this is not checkers. This is chess. <laughs> uh, um, I agree. Yeah. I, now that you say it, my longest friend, I think he is, we've been friends since I was, we were in sophomore year of high school, but it started out as me having a crush on him. And I know he'll be fine. We talk about this all the time. I had such a big crush on him. I would try to flirt with him <laughs> and he was not interested, but it ended up being, I don't know that I was, um, romantic attraction was 
actually the main thing that was happening. I think I was young. And so you go to that, but at the end of the day, he's like, he, I call him brother now. He's my brother. And I think what it was, was just a deep kind of knowingness and shared value, shared just sense of being. And we're good friends. So how often do you feel like people confuse attraction for just my soul sees your soul? Yeah. So that's a great question. Uh, one of my most popular pieces of content was a tweet that was like reshared like 20 or 30 or 40,000 times. And it said something like, just because you have chemistry with someone doesn't mean you have to sleep with them. Maybe you were supposed to open up a taco truck together or be activity <laughs> partners or be good friends. And then, uh, and then I said, chemistry is good for all relationships. Oh, that's, I'm going to have to marinate on that. So yeah, well, it's kind of tricky because, you know, chemistry isn't always good for all relationships. It can actually be quite detrimental to a relationship and to your health because chemistry isn't always positive, right? Trauma bonding. Trauma bonding. Yeah. You could be attracted to someone that is, is not somebody that is going to be good or aligned for you. But for the most part, like I want chemistry with my friends, with my business partners, oh, yeah. with my colleagues, with my therapist, with my, with the people that I, that I want to date. And so with my partner. And so I think we just have this automatic response that if there's chemistry, it's romantic. It mm. needs to be romantic. If I like someone or I'm drawn to someone, I have to sleep with them. When I think it, I don't know if we can override this, but I, I think we can override this. There are times when there's chemistry and it's like, you know what? Hooking up with this person is just not the right move. Mm -hmm. This person, I work with them. They're my superior. They, you know, it's like a student or like whatever the, <laughs> yeah. whatever the, there's a, I mean, no judgment here because actually apparently a, b a bunch of people meet at work. So like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to discourage anybody from, from falling in love, but I think, well, there's, you know, I'm a marriage therapist, so there are situations where meeting at work is not, <laughs> not what you want to do. <laughs> no, I, I, that's, I totally agree. But also I think the stats are like you know, a third of people meet in some sort of work context. Mm. Yeah, that, so what you're talking about there is, um, that also requires maturity though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Disclaimer, healthy relationships require maturity. All right. We got that out of the way. Wonderful. Yeah. To be able to distinguish between your needs first. I know when I'm craving social connection versus alone time versus spiritual connection versus romantic, then you can figure out when you have chemistry with someone what that is, what type it is. And yeah, it's not I mean, mutually exclusive. It could be multiple. Sure. Some awareness around what your needs are and why you're feeling particularly grabby or achy towards somebody or something uh, is really, really important work for sure. Ooh, which I was going to say in response to that, um, time will kind of tease out some of that, I think, if you have patience and time. Yeah. But that reminds me of the myth or truth. Time heals all wounds. Myth. Mm, tell me more. <laughs> totally myth. Yeah. I mean, time is super helpful for sure. <laughs> yeah. But 
uh, time plus therapy equal uh, <laughs> heals all wounds. Yeah, I, I think the that's, t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's the missing component. Though I also do want to recognize that therapy is not accessible to everybody. It's probably accessible to to only the to a minority of people, unfortunately, because of expense and how hard it is to find you know a therapist and like yeah. the connection and and not all therapists are are good and facts there has to be a willingness on your part also to open up to a therapist it takes time so i just want to recognize that but yeah time on its own is great but it's not enough Mm-mm. right there has to be some introspection some curiosity there has to be some acceptance around all of the feelings that come up around the wound or the situation uh, what else? What else are we missing here in the in the complete healing package? <laughs> um, I am really not someone who goes to the whole opposite of like just do you, only do you, forget all people. But I do think that there is value in kindling relationships outside of the romantic sphere mm. and spending very intentional time doing so. So for me personally, I don't know if this is a thing for everyone. If someone says they don't have friends, that's a slow down kind of flag for me. I mean, that's a full red flag for me. Mm. Only because I like friends. Uh, Except for if this person really struggles making friends. I think there's a difference between struggling making friends. Either you're new or you have some sort of like anxiety around meeting new people right. and it's just like really hard for you to connect that's like one thing that's totally fine if it's like i don't have friends because i don't want friends that's not a slowdown that's like a okay well exactly you know, good luck with that <laughs> if someone's like you know i'm just a loner i like um, ooh, ooh, i don't know how relationship compatible we're gonna be then it might not be that compatible yeah you know? right so so you're you're talking about uh connection with others fostering the relationships, the friendships, the familial connections that you have uh, when you are hurting from some sort of probably relationship ending, right? Time heals all wounds is, is oftentimes like a big rejection, right? Either like a yeah. work and thing or a relationship thing. Curatively or preventatively, it would be starting all of that before there's a big rupture. Because yeah. I think that can be really hurtful is when a relationship ends and you realize because you haven't been cultivating them, all the people that were close to you six months ago, a year ago, it's kind of awkward now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the safety net has gotten like a little thin. Yes. Right? Because there's no maintenance happening, right? You're not maintaining your current relationships. And also, I want to say that, like, if you're in the honeymoon phase, it's pretty normal for you yeah. to, like, <laughs> kind of neglect some of your more longstanding friendships and relationships to focus on this romantic one. But mm-hmm. after a while, you know, there has to be some effort made to, like, rekindle all those other relationships. Um, and you're right. I mean, having that safety net available when there's grief, right, or some sort of uh, trauma, right? Like the ending of a relationship or the death of a person is like extremely traumatic. Uh, um, so yeah, definitely helps to have a support network in place and time. a lot of compassion. Yeah. For, for self. Yes. Compassion, time, therapy, friends, friends. <laughs> these heal all wounds. <laughs> all right. right. M- more tropes. 
More quotes and tropes. <sighs> hmm. I actually have a document. Do you really? You saved them. Yeah. It's all, I mean, it's, you know, I'm creating content on this stuff, so. Oh, all men are trash. We haven't done that one. Oh, all men are trash. Yeah. <laughs> Shakes head slowly. Yeah, totally. Um, just a little too generalized for me. Just a little bit. Just a little too generalized for me. If all men are trash, unfortunately, I think that with that viewpoint, uh, every man you meet will be trash. Mm -hmm. You will seek to validate that viewpoint. Mm -hmm. I would mm -hmm. much rather be like, there are some trashy people out there. There are also some really lovely humans. Yeah, and I think what stops people from that and this one I want to validate for people, if you've grown up with, especially with any background of trauma or neglect or anything like that, um, it could be possible that you've witnessed more destructive relationships than positive ones. And because that's how we form relationships, we have friends who have similar stories as well. And if our friends are then acting out their trauma, then their relationships, and so it just keeps going. So if you're looking at your own world and you're like, well, yeah, all of my friends have experienced infidelity, blah, blah, blah. That makes sense to me. And isn't there, okay, I don't know. I don't know about this, but like, let's say you grew up in an abusive household. Are you more likely to then find yourself in relationships with abusive people as well? Yes. And it is wild. So um, I think his name is Harville Hendricks. Uh -huh. He he's um, he's a therapist and a psychologist who does lots of research on this. But essentially what happens is without us knowing it, we kind of smell out people with similar levels of healing or similar levels of dysfunction as us. Ooh, like to the extent where you could not know a fact about someone get with them five years into the relationship, they end up being an alcoholic, just like a parent of yours and your ex, but it wasn't present before or you didn't know yeah. it before. Wow. Or you didn't see it. Yeah. You didn't even know you had to look for it. Exactly. We will always do that, even if we don't notice it. I mean, doesn't that also, this like brings it back around to whole, to chemistry. Yeah. Right. Something that will activate us or something that we will be attracted to is not necessarily because it's hot or because it's what we need. <laughs> no. Uh, and, it, and it actually might be what we need in order for us to heal that part of ourselves that we need to heal. Right. We're going to kind of run into the same issues over and over and over again until we're like, oh, okay, this is a pattern that I need to heal. And then we'll move on to a different dynamic that most likely needs healing. Yes. And that different dynamic can be within the same relationship or with a different partner. Sure. So um, you're going to match up with someone who has a similar level of dysfunction as you. Just is what it is. Accept it. It's fine. Okay. So what about <laughs> all men are trash then? <laughs> Thou art also trash, I guess is the response. Oh, no. <laughs> Just joking. Oh, <laughs> uh, but also like maybe not. No, no, no. And so I want to say too with that, and this is some really, you know, wibbly wobbly therapy stuff. Um, when I say a matched or similar level of healing or dysfunction, it doesn't mean you have the same type of dysfunction. Think of it as um, 
if someone is really rude and mean and verbally hurtful or abusive, and you don't yet have the boundaries to stop that from happening, remove yourself from the situation, you just kind of enable it in a way yeah. by changing who you are to make sure they're okay, or by apologizing, you know, keeping the pattern going. That's what I mean. That's the Same level of development. Right. It's a but, puzzle piece. But it expresses itself completely differently. Correct. Yeah. And so if you're saying all men are trash, um, first, I'm really sorry that the people around have been like that. But look internally and see what parts of me need to be developed more so that this isn't something that I tolerate. Mm. And this isn't something that I can keep falling into. Like maybe what red flags do I usually miss or overlook? Um, what ways do I not have boundaries set? What ways do I, you know, perpetuate the cycle? Mm. Yeah. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. And this leads me to, <laughs> I'm just like imagining the kind of woman and mm. we're, we're, we're being gendered here, but cause yeah. I mean, I could, it could be a gay man who's also like, all men are trash. Yeah. I'm just picturing the kind of woman who says all men are trash is also the kind of woman. Uh, this feels like super stereotypical, right? This whole conversation is actually pretty stereotypical. Yeah. We're kind of we're like going for it. It's the same <laughs> kind of person that says, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't mm. deserve me at my best. I just, I just saw an Instagram post in my head and I pictured it. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, that that's tomorrow's post. Whoever <laughs> comes up with it first, I'll I'll give it to you. I'm on a summer break, so that's all okay. You. Cool. Um, yeah, if if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Now I'm gonna push on that. Let me see how you feel about this. I don't like the concept of um, deserving. Mm, I, like I I think it's sprinkled in with a heavy dose of entitlement mm -hmm. and self centeredness. Okay. I love it. Not, mm. I'm not pushing back on that. Yeah. So when people say, you don't deserve me at my best, blah, blah, blah. You've made the world revolve around you, number one. But also true is that every human is inherently worthy. Mm. I don't think that you have to earn respect, love, care. You shouldn't need to work for it. And so when we get into that deserving language, it's, it gets really icky because it goes back to that, um, you, you've done something to make yourself better than other people and that's why blah, blah, blah. And you are deserving of love. And that, that's <laughs> both. <laughs> Goddamn dialectic. <laughs> uh, you're, but maybe better language is you are worthy of love instead of you're mm. deserve, deserving of love. But you are deserving of love. Um, I think being deserving of love is different than telling you, telling someone you don't deserve me. Yeah. It's There's very a judgment there. Yeah. Or even when you compare yourself to your partner's ex or your partner compares you to their ex. It's like, Ouch. well, this is different because you're better than her, or this is different because, you know, at least my ex used to do this and you don't do that. Either way, that Ouch. whole, it's, ugh. Yeah. Ouch. Okay, what about the first part, though? Mm. 
if you can't handle what is it if you can't handle me at my worst like why am i handling you at your worst thank you handle yourself um <laughs> like if we're in the early stages of a relationship you should be on like your best behavior yeah would you say most of your folks are early stage dating uh yeah or single mm -hmm. this litmus test we do <laughs> uh oh where we try to give off the monster version of ourselves to see if someone can quote unquote handle it. And that means that you made it, you passed the test. Now we can be in a relationship. Do people do this? Every single time. Every, like, I, I do this too. <laughs> I think we all do. So, you know, okay, attachment yeah. style stuff. You love that stuff, right? I don't actually. Ooh. I, it's, it, it's not that I don't love it. I think that we're a little too attached to our attachment styles. <laughs> I think it's great information. I mm -hmm. think it's totally important to be curious and to explore that stuff and to keep it like considerate, right? But I think some people are just like, well, I'm disorganized, avoidant, and he's this and this, and so it's never gonna work. And it's like, okay, maybe, but like, let's give it a shot here. And what are we gonna learn from this situation? That's very fair. I do think that diagnoses, attachment styles, horoscopes, any, any of them, we we kind of latch on to pretty tightly right. so let me use a different lens then okay um i think there's parts of us that will oh my gosh what were we just saying <laughs> oh um uh, pushing people away the monster yeah test. yeah i think there's parts of us that want to see that we're going to be loved and accepted mm -hmm if we can learn how to do so in the slow burn of intimacy, that's good. We build trust as we do it. Depending on where we are in our personal life cycle though, sometimes we might wanna just throw out the big thing first to see if they'll stay. Sometimes we, we test to see their, the person's um, capacity to handle who we are, whether that's our personality, whether that's a fact about our past, whether that's, um, you know, I want to have kids and I'm not even saying this is bad. I'm saying it's a neutral thing that we do. Yeah. We throw out our stuff we would consider to be ugly or big or scary or intense just to know where are you at? Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. Like you said, a lit litmus test or a gauge. Now doing that in early dating is tricky. Well, it's, it's risky. Mm -hmm. And I, I see, I know why people want to do it because early stage dating is inherently uncertain and uncomfortable, right? It's just so uncomfortable because the foundation isn't there yet, right? The trust hasn't been built. So you, you know, my, my suggestion is always go slow, go slow so that when you do disclose these intimacies, these vulnerabilities, you get to gauge how they react. Yeah. And you can do it in a more measured way, right? If you go slow and incrementally, what we're talking about is like, if you can't handle me at my worst is like sort of the monster test on date three, where you, I don't know, maybe like get overly drunk and start spouting out a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Or, you know, you're upset about something they do and you, here's the other one. I'm just going to do me. I'm going to be honest. And so your version of honesty is I'm going to get really raw and ugly about the way that I talk to someone just because mm. that's me being honest. Um, and that's, if you can't handle me at that, you don't get me when I'm sweet and want to make dinner. That, mm, 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 mm. I'll make my own dinner. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> 
just like I'll be sweet to myself all the time. Yeah. Yo, let's not do that anymore. Because mature relationships, you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing that anyway, really. Mm. Conflict resolution doesn't involve you pushing your partner to see how far you can go before they break. No, and you know, paradoxically, sometimes you do need to push your partner a little bit to see what is the real truth, right? Like mm. I've been in situations before where my partner wasn't able to really admit something because maybe she hadn't admitted it to herself yet. And though I had sort of intuited that, um, you know, it wasn't the way it was being portrayed. And so I had to push a little bit for, for her to come up with that realization. So there is a little bit of challenge that, that is inherent to some of these like more healthy quote unquote conscious relationships, but it, it shouldn't feel, um, traumatic and mm-hmm. over the top and intense. Ah, yes. Let's talk about intensity. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know that people have a myth that they would phrase this as, but it's something that happens. As, as uh, intensity being good. Being Passion, an in, 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 Yeah, in, an indicator of long-term relationship success. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all want passion, right? Define passion. Um, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, passion, passion's interesting. You know, they, they say like, find something that you're passionate about and you won't work a day in your life. And I think that we can maybe like apply that to a relationship, right? Find mm. someone that you're passionate about and it won't ever be work. It'll just be sort of effortless. Mm. Um, but I think that I still haven't defined passion. I don't think I will because I don't think I can. But I think that passion, just like the gut or the instinct, is sometimes quite unreliable. Passion, to me, based on the societal constructs, the kind of ingrained stuff in our blood that we feel like is passion, even though I feel like there's a quote that says, I can't define porn, but I know it is when I see it. Have you Mm -hmm. heard that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That for passion. And so I think passion is, you know, slamming against a bookshelf, making out, you can't control yourselves, you must ravage each other or... Ooh. This it's this pull that you have, and it's very intuitive and it's very felt, is Incredible. what I understand. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that comes comes back to attraction and chemistry. Just because it's there doesn't mean that you need to act on it or that it's healthy. Mm. But we've also been in boring dates with seemingly perfect individuals. Mm. Right. On paper, they're like kind and sweet and they make have a good job and they're you know have a great relationship with their family like every like taking all the boxes but like you're just not turned on yeah so that's like the the opposite of the passion like the you know lack of passion so we are sort of looking for some drive some attraction something that's like inherently exciting about the other person Yeah. And I think too, cutting someone off on the first date because it wasn't as fireworky as your previous partner, that's, that's a little tricky too. Let's be honest. It's probably not going to be as fireworky as your last partner. 
for lots of reasons. For lots of reasons and not necessarily, it's like not just because it was fireworks, not necessarily good. I mean, they are your past partner at this point. And you not have to say, history. And you have history, but also not to say that when a relationship ends, it's a failure. I think relationships end all the time and they're not failures. No, is it John? Yes, John Kim calls them expired relationships. The angry therapist. Oh yeah, angry. I want to <laughs> hang. I want to hang out with angry one of these days. Right. I think I will. I think I've got a good chance. Please do it. Make I it will. happen. That would Next be a time. cool crossover. <laughs> Next time I'm in LA. Yeah, I think I'm at. The, I'm at the point where I can now like hang out with some of these these like bigger dudes. That's interesting. I see y'all on the same level. Yeah. Well, he. I mean, he's a little. He's you know. He's he's older than me. Yeah. He's got 10, he's got 10 years on me. He's got the relationship, the kid, the therapy practice and a larger audience. So mm. he's, he's, to me, he looks more like a mentor than anything. Oh, this is so totally a tangent. I'm going to keep going on it though. I think that also goes to, I kind of see things in terms of quality rather than um, the trophies. So yes, oh, he yeah, has all of that. Yeah. yeah, but he has been offering heartfelt quality content the entire time. And so I guess that's where I'm kind of putting you guys in the same sphere is the quality has been that. Thank you. Angry. <laughs> Shout out. Um, but yeah, what were we just talking about? What about um, <laughs> once a cheater, always a cheater? Oh. Oh my, what have you done? Um, that put you in a corner. Ooh, my gut is saying no. Sure. My gut is saying, no, I go for character and patterns more so than individual actions. So what I mean by that is if you are consistently showing a pattern that makes cheating more possible for you, and you've not done anything to change that, then sure, you're probably going to cheat again. Totally. Yeah. Because just also like if you've cheated once, it doesn't mean that you're going to, you know, let's say you've had five relationships and in one of them you cheated. It doesn't really mean that you're going to cheat in your next relationship. Exactly. Now for the person who's going to date the person who's cheated, what have you to say? <laughs> I have to say that you want to get really, really curious around why they cheated, what they learned from the cheating, how that affected their partner, what led to it how they're doing things differently. Mm. Also like what I would explore similar kind of conversation or, or uh, thought process around when, if two people break up and they consider getting back together, yeah. some clarity and exploration around what wasn't working, what's, how's it gonna be different this time? What am I bringing to the table that's different? What are you bringing to the table that's different? So a lot of just like shedding light on these dynamics rather than just assuming or hoping that it's going to be different this time. Yeah. And that this goes kind of back to the passion thing, y'all. Um, really, really, really wanting to be different is not the same as doing the work to make sure you're different. Yeah. I can really, really, really want to be an Olympic athlete, but I'm gonna tell you this right now, I'm not going to the gym after this call. And so the chances of me getting to that place without doing those steps is virtually zero. So what's preventing you from going to the gym after this call? Oh, I'm going to make this meta. I do not desire to. There are things That's I would not... rather do. What are I you going to do? I would rather go spend time with a friend of mine who's in town. I mean, that's a totally valid 
alternate option. It is. And I guess what I'm shedding light on is just being honest about it. Yeah. And so if it's a relationship and you're saying, um, let's say it's something simple like date nights, partners not showing up for scheduling date nights. You're not seeing the effort. And they say, no, 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 I really want to see you, blah, blah, blah. Um, I would just like the honesty of, okay, well, what's more important to you right now? Is it work? Okay, just let me know that. Yeah. But just the the enthusiasm over something is not indicative of a result. And it's okay to have other priorities, just be honest. Yeah, but if he wanted to, he would. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these kind of So fuck him. <laughs> yeah. I think that... I think the things with all these misconceptions and these quotes and these tropes is that they are, they're shortcuts. Ah, yes. They're shortcuts, but they don't necessarily lead to more connection. I would argue they even deliberately lead away from it. They, <laughs> I'm not going to push back on that because I think you're right. Um, <laughs> They, 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 they're shortcuts to disconnection for the most part yeah. because they avoid a conversation, right? And one of my therapists, uh, Dr. Jay Talkoff in San Francisco, fantastic man mm. uh, that, that helped me get sober when I was like 23 years old, mm. um, said that the more you communicate, the more they <clears throat> communicate, right? Super basic. That's the hope. <laughs> that's the hope, right? <laughs> For the most part, when you talk, they talk. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. Of course, you're going to be with that person who's like fully shut down and yeah. just doesn't talk. <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, yeah. when you dare to communicate, when you show the courage to bring up something that is uncomfortable, that might have an outcome that you are not prepared for, you set the stage. Right, You create mm. the environment, the container for a conversation to happen, which hopefully will shed more light on what it is that you are unclear about. And lead with vulnerability versus accusation or pain. Right. Uh, if you come at, and I know, I know, I get it because I've personally been there. Something builds up. And so when you finally get the courage to talk about it, it's a volcano spewing out or knives being thrown, hoping that they understand how much their actions have hurt you. Yeah. Makes sense. It does. It takes work to choose to lean with being exposed a little bit. Yeah. I was really looking forward to you calling, like you said. I'm disappointed that you didn't. And I'm kind of curious what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> That's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's uh, uh, just as a tangent. I really think it's really, really, really important. I kind of learned this in my last several years of therapy to express your disappointment. Mm. Not to guilt them, not yeah. to shame them, but to honor your disappointment. Right. And like it's happened before, right? My partner, uh, cancels at the last minute. It's not not last last minute, but like we had a date and I was really looking forward to it, and she cancels. And it's important for me to not just be like, "Oh, okay, cool, no problem. Let's just do it another time." And it's important for me to say, like, "Yeah, I totally understand. I'm super disappointed. I was really looking forward to seeing you tonight." Yeah, 
And for you to be able to hold that if she does it too. Yeah. Sure. This is a nuance I don't know if you would know about, but I think for us, um, if you are an immigrant or if you are first gen, there is a culture of guilt that exists in our cultures. I don't know why. Um, and for those of you who don't know, I, my family is Jamaican. I'm first gen born here, but <laughs> there's a culture of guilt. That's just kind of assumed of, I want you to feel bad that you didn't do what I wanted you to do. Essentially. Mm-hmm. That is not the expression of disappointment we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not to guilt. It's not to make anybody feel bad. They might feel bad. Yeah. Right, but that's not the purpose of the statement. The statement is just to express how you feel about the situation, to give it room, and to sort of honor your disappointment, right? Your emotional state that is uncomfortable and sad, rather than to bury it deep down inside and pretend like it's not there. So that it, then it then it you know we'll be back. We'll be back, <laughs> with, and often with a vengeance. Often with a oh, vengeance. Yeah, yeah. And when, when, we, when we let them know our disappointment, it actually helps a lot because otherwise they don't know that it hurts you. They could think, you know, let's say your partner cancels and then you say, oh, yeah, that's fine. Totally cool. Yeah. And she's like, oh, awesome. And then she does it again. Right. Oh, yeah. It, it, he's so cool. He's cool as a cucumber. It doesn't bother him. <laughs> right? He's a cool cucumber. He has no idea. It doesn't bother him at all. And then, mm. it, And it's not like they're doing it deliberately, but they do now... The pattern is that like, it's not a big deal if I cancel. And so I could be a little bit more flexible rather than like, oh, it really bums, it really bums him out when I cancel. So I'm going to actually really try hard not to do that because it's important that I, that I like don't bum him out yeah. unless I, unless I really have to, you know, in which case he's going to tell me and he's going to be okay. Yeah. My friend did this with me recently. So y'all can practice this with friendships too, but I had a lot going on. We had a friend time planned out, I think a couple of weeks in advance. Um, I scheduled something during our time. So I messaged her just kind of like, okay, well, I'm just going to be there a little bit later, like a couple hours later than I planned. It'll be fine. And I moved on with my day. But then she let me know that was really disappointing because she had carved out special time just for us and her schedule's not as flexible as mine. So that was the only time she could do. Mm-hmm. And she said no to other things. I didn't know that. And so now I know to take it very seriously when she does that for me as yeah. a gift. And when you don't ask, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know all that other stuff until you had to, until it came up. And I didn't know to ask that time for that information. And she knew that I wouldn't have known that. So she let me know. And that's okay too. The, oh, here's that myth, the mind reading. Wait, how is that? What's the myth? You should know how to love me. <laughs> I, I, I would. I would love you perfectly if you would give me the manual to how to <laughs> love you perfectly, please. However, I have not, I have not received it yet. It didn't, Amazon didn't make it. <laughs> no. Yeah, the there's a belief of, okay, here we go. So in therapy, what it will look like is um, a couple's been stuck in a rut for a bit and she wants, let's say, flowers. 
So she tells him, I want flowers, but I don't want to tell you that I want flowers. So to like, don't get me some tonight because you only did that because I said I wanted flowers. Do you want the fucking flowers? <laughs> okay. Written in cursive on the you're, tag. <laughs> I mean, you're only giving me flowers because I asked you to give me flowers. Yeah. I Yes. You told me what you wanted. Now I did it. Now you're not happy because you had to tell me that you wanted it. Like, do you, you want the situation correctly? Yes. This is why I'm giving them to you because you I, want I'm them. unable to win in this scenario. I've, I've already failed you because I didn't get you the flowers. Now I failed you because I got you the flowers, but only because you asked me to get you the flowers. Like if that's not somebody <sighs> trying to get into a fight, I don't know what is. And we do this all the time. And that's usually where couples get six, seven, 10, 15 years in is that has happened so much. One partner just stops because it's like, I can't win. And then the other partner gets more frustrated. Yeah. I'm trying to articulate the way to shift that a little bit. First of all, it's getting rid of the egocentricness. It's a lot easier during dating for a partner to be looking for ways to impress us. But as a relationship matures, we change too. And if we're not responding to a partner in a way that affirms their attempts to love us, then they, they're kind of just swimming in open water. I don't really know. Yeah. I hear this a lot. Like my partner changed. They're not who they're not who (laughs) I, uh, I, they're not who I I originally met. And I was like, yeah, that is accurate. Hope, hope, hopefully. Hopefully they keep growing and they keep maturing and they keep changing. And like, we're not just like a fixed point in time. Mm. We're like forever evolving and sometimes devolving, right? Like mm-hmm. there are times when I am not thriving. Yeah. Not thriving. And so it'd be nice to be accepted in those moments as well. Yeah. I think, you know, in the Christian community too, and this is not a blanket statement, just something I observed. I am in the South, so that's what I'm seeing around me anyway. But there's also this belief that your partner is superhuman to an extent of how they should love you, of how they should show up as a husband, wife, partner, whatever term you want to use. Um, please humanize your partners. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, I think this is, you know, well connected to all of these tropes and myths that we're talking about, which is they, they do tend to dehumanize yeah. the other person and they put a label on it without exploring what's actually underneath Yeah, the disappointment or the unmet need or the thing that's just not working for you. So how do we put a a neat bow on this and solve this for everyone? (laughs) Uh, I think that uh, by, by just highlighting the fact that we are all complex beings, yeah, that relationships are incredibly nuanced and that just like we illustrated, there is uh, just a metric shit ton of paradox in life and in your relationships and in you as a person. And if you can accept all of those paradoxes as being really confusing and also kind of beautiful, Mm. 
it can lead to a little bit more understanding about how all of this works. See also get comfortable with discomfort. Oh man. And if you can work with a therapist. If you can. And if you can't work with a therapist, you have coaches that are out there who can help with non, <laughs> non-psychological, non-diagnostic type things like how do I communicate? Yeah. There's a lot of books. There's a lot of podcasts. We both have a fantastic one. If you're listening, I mean, obviously you're listening. You're here. You <laughs> good, good job. job. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, and also maybe just small disclaimer, like uh, you're probably doing enough already. Yeah, you don't have to always be a work in progress. That's right. You can just rest sometimes. Yeah, I'm resting. You're resting, right? I'm resting. I took off this summer from creating, from posting podcasts. Um, wow. Because I was like, I'm burnt out and I'm not enjoying it. And the whole point yep. of this is to enjoy the intimacy of what I do. I took a break. Amen. Yeah. Ugh. Social media and that whole thing is a whole different tangent, but yes. So <laughs> all of what we said, um, how can people find all of the goodness that you've got? Uh, Instagram at the love drive or on my website, seangalanos.com. That's where all my courses live. I have about seven courses, uh, courses ranging from modern dating, emotional availability, healthy communication, getting your needs met, you name it, if it's for uh, better relationships, there's a good chance that I might be able to support you in that. Mm-hmm. And then I have a podcast called The Love Drive. And you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah. And I took one of your courses. Um, I forget which That's one right. it was. I think it was, was it the communication one? I think that or emotional availability. Emotional availability, yes. Yeah. And it seems like up your alley. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, for those of y'all who are interested in his courses, I think the my favorite thing about it was um, the little manual. You have a really solid PDF document. Oh uh, yeah, the resource the resource document. That is something that y'all can go back to over and over again. Um, especially since you know things are happening so fast, you can forget what was good. And if you're not a good note taker, you don't have to worry about it. And if you want to listen to our episode of the podcast, it's like one of the most intimate, vulnerable, beautiful yeah. conversations. Exploring sexual in, in intimacy. Of, yeah, totally. Yeah. We'll, we'll link to it in the show notes. We will. <laughs> Thank you for joining. Thank you for taking time out for this. Your wisdom is very much appreciated. I'm honored. Thank you for having me. <laughs> That was such a fun episode. I always love talking with Sean. (sighs) Everything we talked about that we mentioned in reference is going to be in the show notes, but we would love to hear from you. If you just head over to Instagram at myintimacytherapist, send me a message, slide in my DMs, let me know what you thought, and definitely consider coming over to Patreon so that we can have more conversations like these and you can suggest specific episodes that you'd like to see. Um, And if you're like, hmm, I will be a Patreon at some point, but right now, what can I do? Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'm speaking my love language. So just want you to remember who you are as you go about your day. You are fully seen, you are fully known, and you are fully loved. (laughs) We'll talk soon.